Dr. Austin Shang is a trained gastroenterologist who became the first chief medical officer of the gastrointestinal business unit for Medtronic, a leading medical device company. You might have heard of their innovations, such as the AI-assisted polyp detection device to prevent colorectal cancer. Dr. Xiang is also an assistant professor of medicine at a university hospital in Philadelphia. And in addition, Austin has conducted extensive research in social media and is champion of physician presence on social media. So let's do this. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to another show. I'm your host of your Gut Knows podcast. This is Ariadna Maso. And today I'm very excited because I'm here with Dr. Austin Chang. And I had the pleasure to meet him recently at a conference. I was, you know, very impressed by his energy on stage, but also the impact uh, he's making, you know, in terms of tech new developments in gastroenterology in GI space, but also we're going to talk about it, which is education, how to convey evidence-based messages to, to all of us out there. So welcome to the show. It's an honor to have you here, Austin. Thank you so much for having me. It was a delight getting to meet you in person recently. <laughs> likewise, likewise. I, I I came, you know, to find you uh, straight. You know, I couldn't miss the chance <laughs> to talk to you after after you know your panel was amazing. And you know, yeah. basically, um, you know, the, the very first question I have for you, and I'm sure your our audience um, would like to know, is about all the trends, how tech is really evolving, especially you know in gastroenterology. It would be great you give us your perspective or you're seeing in terms of new trends coming up. Absolutely. I mean, on the one hand, I think one of the goals of gastroenterology to begin with that got me interested in the field was always taking things that were more invasive and making them less invasive and um, finding endoscopic ways to approach things. But I think the hot topic right now really is artificial intelligence and um, you know how that intersects with healthcare. It's kind of a hot topic everywhere right now, right? Across all sectors. But I think especially in healthcare, um, there's a true opportunity there to you know help us be better at our jobs, you know, improve clinical outcomes, improve our efficiency, improve operations. Uh, you know, because we all know that healthcare, probably across different countries, it's very complex very uh, clunky at times. And hopefully, you know, we can leverage this technology to help us be better. And we're already seeing it in, um, uh, you know, in uh, impacting healthcare in a lot of ways. You know, in gastroenterology, we have uh, artificial intelligence powered polyp detection device to help us improve our polyp detection and potentially prevent colorectal cancer. And that's really just the first step. So I'm very excited about this space. I think that there's so much potential here and uh, and I can't wait to see what's what's yet to come. Yeah, I mean, that's that sounds super exciting, right? And you touched upon the less invasive medical devices and then AI and data. Um, I mean, is there any other, you know, particular project that you're excited about or you see also, I mean, you interact a lot, I guess, with patients as well. We'll talk yes. about that uh, later. But um, what, what, I don't know, from, from a patient perspective, how, how patients respond to that, right? With, with you know, yeah. their data a, and all that. Yeah, You bring up a really good point, because I think that that's part of the equation here is that 
patients are also becoming much more savvy about their own health and um, and how do we make sure that we're educating patients properly, that they understand kind of where, uh, you know, how the healthcare system works, what options are available to them, you know, what exactly is, are, are, you know, is being done to them, you know, when they go see the doctor. And, um, and so that kind of awareness and that knowledge, I think, is really going to transform how we deliver care and, you know, how our roles as physicians, as different stakeholders within a healthcare system have to, um, you know, be in partnership with the patients when it comes to um, deciding, you know, how to approach healthcare. So I think that that's really going to drive, like, I don't want to say that patients are consumers. I feel like there's a weird connotation to that, but just that, you know, patients are becoming much more aware and, and how do we, um, you know, give them, empower them to take ownership of their own health. Yeah, I love this point, especially when when you say, right, the patient is not a consumer, but I guess kind of what, what connects the two of them is this UX, this experience, right? And, you know, until today, the, the delivery model and, and zooming in, you know, gastroenterology pathways, right, as a patient has been still, it is still hard, right? It's a long journey. There's so many factors involved. And I guess, you know, what, what we got to make sure is that we are able to deliver care, empowering the patient, but also with this experience that, that treats the patient differently. I, I love that point. Um, definitely, we, we are seeing that as well. This relationship between the physician and the patient is, exactly. is radically yeah. changing. Yeah, that relationship, I think, is is very different now than it was, you know, even a few years ago. I think if you look at like the impact that the pandemic had on healthcare, you know, um, we have to, you know, try to meet patients where they are and, you know, not, um, uh, I feel like we've learned a lot of lessons with like telemedicine in this whole period and how do we try to take um, healthcare, not just provide it in the clinical setting or in the hospitals, but also again, have patients take ownership, you know, in their own, you know, homes and, um, so I see, I, I feel like there are a lot of trends moving in that direction. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of, you know, challenges, right? You mentioned very, very exciting new trends, but how does this translate to challenges? What, what What's going to come and, and what, what are the obstacles here in terms of adoption? Yeah, yeah. So adoption is definitely one of them because I think that, uh, part of adoption is like increased awareness and education and you know that sort of broad spread education and getting the word out about what's available what's the latest is a big challenge you know even among doctors it takes them years to really um really change their practice or have guidelines really translate into clinical practice or standard of care um so you know adoption is definitely you know a big part of it that whether it's just general awareness or whether it's incorporating into guidelines, that's a big deal. I think also um, in a space like artificial intelligence, it's such a new topic. It's so different than anything that, you know, we've had to deal with in healthcare that, you know, the regulatory bodies are also trying to keep up with it. How do we, how do they incorporate this into, uh, into healthcare, into clinical care, um, and, and so I think everyone is just learning together <laughs> and there's probably going to be a lot of hiccups along the way, but, um, but I think that's part of the, you know, excitement around it too, is that there's so much 
potential to really transform this whole space to um you know make it what we want it to be for the future um and, and make a lot of change so i think that as much as it's very uncertain it's also very exciting yeah i mean one of the things i loved you know when when we met in person and we had a conversation about ai um you know physicians it is great that they are open to use it but obviously it seems like we are just getting started, right? As, as you were saying, also there are regulatory, how we, you know, make sure there's accuracy in those AI models, etc. But what's your view then on, on that? Do you think it's going to take us a long time to get there from a physician adoption? Or your view from what you're seeing is that actually things are going to move real fast, right? I mean, we, we kind of I think we are in an inflection point with all the AI. It's advancing real fast. So how how you see this? Yeah, I'm optimistic. I, I really hope that things move quickly because I think patients will benefit more, you know, sooner if we move quickly. Healthcare traditionally is slower to move than other sectors anyway. Um, but because AI is such a big topic across all different sectors outside of healthcare, I'm hoping that buzz will keep the momentum going and the conversation going um, because everyone, you know, even outside of healthcare is having to learn to adapt to this new world and how to incorporate AI in so many different ways. Um, and so I really hope that, uh, you know, that will help push things um, to move a little more quickly than maybe traditionally we saw. And I also feel like, you know, with New, new incoming generations of physicians and patients who are much more digitally savvy and understand, you know, um, the meaning of some of these technologies that hopefully uh, that adoption and that understanding can also help move things forward. Yeah, totally. I'm also an optimist, so fingers crossed. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I hope that, you know, we all learn how to leverage on all this momentum, right? Um, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned, obviously, the patient, right? The importance of, you know, delivering care, uh, this patient-centric approach that we are still missing, right? There's a lot of chat around, yeah, we need to put the patient at the center, but, you know, it's not yet that actionable. Um, and in that, I wanted to connect with all the education, all the work that you're doing to really, you know, help others with, you know, evidence-based information. So could you tell us a bit more about, you know, how actually you started, you know, to leverage on social media? <laughs> What's been your journey there? Absolutely. Um, thank you for for that, that, you know, lead in. I think, you know, putting the patient at the center of uh, healthcare is difficult. And, you know, this is only one part of a big kind of effort. But I do think social media is very important. And it's something that I recognized early on, maybe about 10 years ago, I felt like the way things were moving, people were spending more time on the internet, more time on social media. It was an opportunity to kind of meet patients where they were spending the most time. You know, there's data out there that shows that on average, people are spending about two and a half hours a day on social media platforms. And a lot of that time, I think, you know, is for you know leisure and for fun but it's also time that you know can be also spent in some ways being exposed to a lot of misinformation and in that sense we need to also be on the internet to counter that with accurate information so i felt an obligation as somebody who was trained professionally uh to speak about you know these things as a physician to be on social media 
and to talk about you know um, these topics uh, and be evidence based. Um, so I started actually uh, back on Twitter. That was uh, you know maybe ten years ago at this point, and um, and slowly made my way onto the other platforms: Instagram, you know, YouTube, TikTok, etc. And it really was always rooted in education and awareness and debunking, you know, medical myths. Um, and I think the pandemic really accelerated this whole movement. And it's interesting because now we almost assume that we kind of take it like a given, like, of course, social media has an impact on public health and on public opinion of health professionals. But it wasn't always that way. You know, if we rewind a couple of years ago, I don't think everyone truly made that connection that social media can really impact healthcare. And now I think with the pandemic, it's pretty clear that it really had a public health impact because so much bad messaging was out there and there's so much confusion. Um, and so there's so much more attention to it now. Uh, and so some of the work that I had done, I had started a nonprofit uh, that I no longer lead, but it was around helping health professionals be more effective on social media to also do it um, in a very responsible way because we are kind of held to a different standard on the internet. We need to make sure that we're not damaging the reputation of health professionals, but also still being relatable. Um, and, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of the social media platforms themselves started working with us, whether it's YouTube or LinkedIn, uh, to try to help educate, you know, health professionals on things that we normally don't learn about, you know, like storytelling or how to set up your home studio, how to pay attention to the audio and the video you know, in um, in your social media posts, because people respond to those things. And, um, and, you know, good information needs to be packaged in a way that's attractive to patients and to viewers. Um, and sometimes, you know, not just patients, but people who don't know that they would need the information, right? Like, people who, uh, you know, otherwise wouldn't expect to learn something from that content, I think, could still benefit a lot from it. So ultimately, um, uh, you know, I'm not the only one out there doing this. There's plenty of other health professionals and there's more and more kind of getting on social media because they're more, uh, you know, used to being on social media. They're more comfortable with social media as a tool. Um, so I'm hoping that in the future, you know, there will be more accurate information on the internet than inaccurate information. <laughs> and, um, and, and yeah, I, I believe that as long as there's social media out there, like, you know, and as long as it's reaching a lot of people, we should still continue to leverage it um, for public health and to, you know, get awareness out there. So uh, it, it's been, um, you know, quite a journey for myself, seeing the whole space transform, learning a lot of lessons along the way about how to storytell, about how to craft a message for patients. Um, but it's also not the only, you know, way to go about it. I feel like you know, I said social media is one piece of the puzzle, but there's people consume information in different ways. Some people still rely on conventional TV kind of media, um, other sources of news, um, you know, obviously in-person encounters with their doctors and other health professionals in the clinical setting. So there still has to be uh, a lot done, but because, you know, one of the core beliefs was that I didn't want information only to be in the hospital because people, once they walk out of the hospital, once they walk out of the clinic, 
they are exposed to information from all sorts of directions. So we also want to be um, available to them, you know, outside of that setting. Well, I love that, actually, love that quote, right? To be available for this patient outside that hospital consultation, uh, you know, scene, um, because, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I also love the fact that, you know, you spend a lot of time uh, training, helping others. Um, it, it is a lot of work, right? And, and as you said, how you package that content also for coming back to what we were saying before, this experience, right, for the patient, um, I really believe that, you know, healthcare is really shifting, uh, you know, in terms of, again, coming back to this consumption, right, of, of you know, from, from knowing, okay, what, what the symptom might be like from prevention as well. So um, I really admire how you're approaching this with the evidence-based approach. Yeah, because um, it's not only also, you know, just like giving them the information, right? Like, I think that it's a true partnership with the patient, like, not all doctors, uh, once they leave the clinic, you know, sometimes patients, I felt like even before I entered medicine, felt like doctors were a bit unapproachable or intimidating. And everyone has this idea of doctors kind of wearing their white coat and being, you know, very stern or, you know, so I think that being relatable and being having a personality and having the same interests and same struggles and sharing that with patients is also very important. So I think, yeah, this whole relationship between health professionals and patients, that is really, I think, at the at the center of everything, like you mentioned. Mm, yeah, I, I love that, what you said about being relatable, right? And it's a partnership. Actually, we will use that quote, you know, for, for the podcast. <laughs> I just love it. Perfect. <laughs> uh, and, you know, um, I'm really enjoying this, uh, Austin. I think, you know, this is super insightful. And I think, you know, it can help a lot of people listening about, you know, what's coming up, the challenges, um, invite them to explore, to follow you. So how, how can they find you actually to tell us all about it? <laughs> I'm pretty easy to find on the internet. I must admit, um, <laughs> all of my platforms are the same handle, Austin Chang MD. Um, and you know, hopefully it'll be a helpful experience. Every platform I kind of, kind of treat differently. I speak to different audiences on. So depending on who you are and what you're looking for, you might find, you know, something more helpful on Twitter where I often talk to my colleagues, kind of GI colleagues on there versus like Instagram or TikTok where I'm kind of more, uh, talking to the general public. So Whatever, um, wherever you're coming from, you might find something that, uh, you know, suits you. <laughs> Which is very great, right? The end for everyone is content for everyone. So anyway, we'll add the handle as well. So you can follow Austin across um, these different platforms. And there's only one, actually one, one question before I forget that I always ask my guests, which is, what do you do on a daily basis to take care of your gut health? Uh, I don't know if there's anything you would like to share that you do on a yeah. daily basis. <laughs> well, you may know that I think a lot of doctors are very bad at taking care of their own health. So I'm, it's a work in progress. So I can't claim to be perfect and I can't claim to have perfect gut health either. But I will say that I am, you know, always making sure I'm up to date with um, any sort of preventive things, going to see my primary care doctor you know, I'm not of the age yet to get a screening colonoscopy, but, you know, I make sure that my family members are up to date as well. I think that's very important. 
And then personally, I try to watch what I eat and I try to, you know, um, everyone has a different situation and different triggers, right, for their own gut health. But um, I try to pay attention to, you know, eating more whole, whole foods and less processed foods. I try to exercise regularly, which is definitely hard to do with my schedule, but I try to put some time in there, even if it's just walking a bit um, and uh, and some weight training is what I've been working on. Um, and also just take time for yourself, right? Like self-care is important. And, you know, my in my role, I feel like there is always more work to be done. There's always something that, that um, can draw your attention towards work, but to take a moment for yourself and do something that helps you recharge is very important. Well, thanks so, so much for sharing those tips. They're great. <laughs> well, Austin, it's been amazing. Thank you so much. And, you know, we will be continuing following you, supporting you. And I really hope I can see you again very soon. Thank you so much for having me. It was a joy. Pleasure. See you soon, Austin. Take care. Bye.